The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Thanks for joining the FX Missions Leadership Moment. This is a multi-part series in Profiles in Leadership. If you're not already subscribed, please do so at leadersmoment.org or wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Leadership Moment and you'll get the rest of this conversation as it unfolds. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy. Really the very free and enjoyable worship that came out of the vineyard set on course things like Bethel music now and IHOP's music and Mm -hmm. Morningstar's music. Like all these groups found freedom to develop out of the initial splash of vineyard music. And one of the things that I love about the vineyard music at least back in the day, I'm, I'm not very familiar with it now. I, I don't I actually don't listen to much of their stuff anymore. But back when I was growing up, I know that they had they had to take their lyrics before they could just throw a, a song out there. They had to actually present their lyrics to theological criticism. So mm. They couldn't put something out there that didn't match up with the character of God and scripture because then you're just getting people to sing heresy, and that's probably a, a bad option <laughs> for your life. And as, <laughs> as my, myself, being someone who's more cerebral, I loved knowing that what I was singing had been vetted by people who cared about the Word. And and I, I think that that's something that can tend to be lost. And there's many songs uh, these days that I edit the lyrics as I'm singing them in church, <laughs> or I skip a verse altogether. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for for sure. And I think that kind of discipline, you know, the fruitfulness of that kind of discipline was obvious. For those who might not be familiar with the entire wave, it was incredible. The wave of music that came out of Vineyard ministries and vineyard churches. And when I was reading uh, the book that was the biographical uh, book about John Wimber some years ago, I was, I guess, in some ways surprised to find out that he was one of the original Righteous Brothers, but it totally made a lot of other things that I knew about him make sense. He really had something when it came to music. And so I think, especially in highlighting or focusing on his leadership capacity, this brother not only did he start a world wide movement that produced uh, incredible leadership and, and a lot of it, it produced an actual spiritual culture that that was fairly consistent uh, kind of around the world <laughs> in their yeah. churches. But this wave of music actually brought a whole new scene. I mean, the revivals of the late 90s, the vineyard music was the soundtrack to those revivals. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, one it, it, of, a, wow. a prolific soundtrack to it. Yeah, yeah. Just I remember one of my favorite songs, maybe my favorite song of all time, was uh, something that I related to so directly in the early to mid '90s that was that came out of the Vineyard, and I to this day when I play it. <laughs> I, I feel its effect on me. So uh, I think we can pause for a second and just say John Wimber was a leader because he started things. He was yeah. an initiator of things that had breadth, width, and, of course, depth as well. In a lot of ways, leadership is about initiation. You know, it's about moving the ball down the field or doing something no one's ever done before. And he certainly right. did that. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And, and his, I, one thing I loved about the, what he did is he wasn't one who waited for people to have all their ducks in a row in order to endorse them. Within like the youth camps that I went to as a kid growing up in the vineyard, they would allow just completely novice kids to get up there and do miracles from stage. Someone we know now in the in the worship world, Jeremy Riddle, he was one of the original not original, but one of the, when there was that big spike in, in great songwriting in the vineyard, he was in his early 20s. He may have even been a late teenager when he was actually writing some of these songs that became part of the the library of vineyard music that is so amazing. So when he, when then I hear, heard that he came to, to Bethel Music and he's doing all the, doing all these great things, I'm like, Jeremy Riddle? I've been listening to him for decades. And like I, I figured, because I didn't actually know how old he was, knowing how, how long I'd been listening to him, I'm thinking, he's got to be 50 years old. And he's only a few years older than me. He's probably halfway between your age and my age. So <laughs> it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And that was another thing that John, I think, exemplified is endorsing and supporting and covering young leaders to make mistakes in a safe place where they could then also grow and become great leaders after them. And that's what I saw in the vineyard growing up. And that's what I've tried to exemplify in my own life because it was done to me to be endorsed, to be in a safe place where I could make a mistake and then covered when I do that so I could learn from it. Yes, absolutely. I think that that's one thing that's often lost in our purview of leadership is that we're you know we look for these figures that stand out from history like mountains from the earth you know and there are a lot right. of them out there that we can find and appreciate examine learn from but i think the true test of of leadership or certainly one of the graduated tests of leadership is how many leaders you leave behind right. and uh, and that to me is clearly something that that John Wimber did, creating a context. I, I think about General Stanley McChrystal. I'm going to have to profile him on Profiles and Leadership. I need to make a note of that. But uh, yeah, Stan McChrystal said, you know, it's a leader's responsibility to create a context for other leaders to do their thing. Like a gardener, he said, creating a context versus like a chess master controlling every piece on the board. So mm. I think there a lot of times there is that pull, if you will, like you're just talking about away from the center. And we either tend to control everything on the board. Like I think a lot of 
leaders come to mind <laughs> when, <laughs> when we say that, or we tend Far to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that keeps us, I think in a lot of ways in a small context, you know, I mean, we, we're, mm-hmm. we are our own primary limitation, you know, certainly in Wimber's, uh, Example, as we look back historically on him and, and what he accomplished, not only while he was alive, but the unfolding impact of his contribution that continues to this day. He, he was a man who created a context. Yep, he, he did. And, and he, one thing I loved about his ministry was that he, he failed a lot. He, he was convinced of a possibility. He was convinced of what was possible, and he pursued it. And so there's the famous story of him saying that he he prayed for a thousand people to be healed and saw zero healings. And then finally, one person got healed. How many things have you done or any of us done a thousand times with failure and kept going and not losing heart like that? It's unreal. The, the amount of patience that he had because he was convinced in his heart that, that it was possible. You, you think of a similar setup from uh, the Thomas Edison said, I didn't fail uh, those thousand trial trials to make the light bulb. I found a thousand ways that it doesn't work. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I think that's, that's the heart, another heart that he gave to us to say, if you know, it's in the Bible, and it's true, if John twelve fourteen is true, that we will do greater things, or is it 14, 12? My brain is, 12, I think. Uh, is is uh, double checking me. If we if we believe, we'll do greater works. If it says in the Bible, then it's true. And if it's true, just because it's not happening in my life doesn't mean that it can't. Uh, right. I just have to figure out what is what's the path towards it. And mm-hmm. I, I think that the profound message of you're not failing, you're learning is embedded in that. Man, that I think he gave us a good example, and I think he demonstrated that in a lot of ways, where we're in a lot of ways failing forward, or we're you know we're we're taking a risk, and I think a lot of times people think that if God's involved, there's no risk. <laughs> <laughs> they've been they've been misinformed. If they <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just going to be a lead pipe cinch, as they as they call it, in mm-hmm. some places, I guess, in the southern. On Barons of our great country. <laughs> At least I grew up here in a lead pipe cinch. That means it's just a given. If, and we think about sometimes if God's in it, it's a given, but it requires collaboration. And the mm-hmm. faith piece is equivalent to risk, you know, that stepping out put, in faith. You know, He's the one that coined that phrase. He, he, he's, he's the original speaker that said, do you know how to spell faith? R-I-S-K. <laughs> he is he is the the coiner of that phrase wow man i had i did not know that in all honesty so but i i think we did get that from his life and he did step out there of course he he uh i think he did an incredible job and gave us a good arc of life from the time he met the lord until he graduated from this life he gave us an incredible arc. You know, I remember reading a lot from uh, Mike Bickle about his years with John Wimber and how Wimber, in fact, uh, mentored him. Yep. Basically, it just said, you're going to be a guy that I pour my life into and that I help 
And yes, you know, maybe you don't qualify and you maybe you think less of yourself than you you really are. But hey, guess what? I'm this accomplished guy and I've been doing this a long time. We're traveling the world together. Come on. (laughs) Wow. And and look look what happened. Two years after John died in 1999, IHOP Kansas City started its 24-7 prayer meetings that I think it was last week they hit their 20-year mark of 24-7 prayer and worship with the word. And I've been there for revival times over there in Kansas city. I've experienced it there. It is powerful how, mm-hmm. how much they have consistent supernatural things happen consistently. Uh, obviously they pray the word more than uh, I've ever known any ministry to John was just supremely impacted the DNA and, and the, the wet cement of, of Mike Bickle's heart in order to initiate that. Right. And, you know, I, I've heard a lot of stories from various leaders about about John Wimber. In addition to Mike Bickle, obviously, there's a good bit written about their relationship in some of the books that I've read and, and others as well. And I've heard stories. And I think John Wimber and what, what became the Vineyard movement really was a forerunner in a lot of ways. Now, we talk about forerunner. There's a lot of association with that with the ministry there in Kansas City. But there was... In many ways, he was a forerunner that kind of broke things open for the times that were coming, the, the times that wanted to unfold. And yeah. uh, he, he did. That was, it was powerful to me, and I so appreciated it. What else is on your mind about John Wimper? How can we, how can we sort of take his challenge? How can we kind of you know, lay hold of his example? What would you say? I'd say a lot of it has to do with openness. And I think that John's life was, he did not, he did not limit God in his own mind. He was always open for something new. I I remember the story. I can't verify the veracity of it, but I love this story. I believe I heard it secondhand, uh, somebody who heard it from John. So if it's not true, you can fact check me and I apologize if it's not true, but it's a cool story. Um, in <laughs> In the beginning, before the vineyard was the vineyard, it was a prayer meeting. And they would get together and they would pray and they would fervently just intercede and all this stuff. And they reached that lull in a, in a prayer meeting that we, that most people have experienced where kind of everything has been prayed that is going to get prayed. And everybody's kind of looking down at their, their feet, kind of waiting for somebody else to, to jump in. And all of a sudden, everybody in the, in that, deafening quietness of, <laughs> of what do we pray next up above them towards the, the top of the ceiling in the room, they hear somebody just screaming, hallelujah, hallelujah. And they all look up quickly and there is a man floating in the air because the Holy spirit had lifted him up, took him across the room and set him down on the other side of the room. Wow. And from what I heard, after this this happened, John Wimber says, after that, our prayer meetings continued to get a little more different than they were before. <laughs> and I just love that he couldn't understand what was going on. He didn't know how to do healing. I mean, he had the Bible and he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He didn't know theology. He was a, a musician. He was a righteous brother. And he's he comes out of that. And he's trying to figure it out. And he's just stumbling his way through it. 
and nobody dangles from a rope gracefully. And, and he, he just was willing to dangle and be open to how do you find God in the mess? In his, his meetings, they were always kind of, he was okay with the awkwardness of not knowing what was going on, but following God, following the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I think that for us today, as leaders, specifically as leaders, to be open to something being new. You know, Jesus talked about being matching the wine and the wineskin. It's important for us who are leaders to look at the new wine that's coming down the pike and prepare those, you know, as a father, I, I really have this heart. I, I try to, to prepare my sons and my daughter for what they will have to to go through as much as I can, but I don't know what the world's going to be like. And so I've got to shift on the fly. I've got to learn how to follow God in every single moment, every conversation and fail forward in it and, and learn from it. And so I think that the, the legacy of John Wimber is stay open, be open to, to something new. Don't get your hands wrapped around it too tightly because it's, it's going to, it's going to change. It's going to shift. It's going to, rotate and you're going to have to adapt you and me together uh, our time together in missions improvise adapt and overcome that that is the way of the kingdom (laughs) you you if you if you think you understand it you don't please join us for the continuing conversation profiles in leadership with fx missions and the leadership moment if you haven't already subscribed please do so by going to leadersmoment.org or just wherever you get your podcast, search for Leadership Moment. We should be there. Thanks for joining us. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.